Today on Truth of Politics and Culture, I will take a quick look at some of the top headlines. I will unpack some of the motivations of the recent rash of pro-Palestinian anti-Israel protests. And Desmond Latchman at National Review says our public finances are burning. This is Dr. Tony Beam, and it's time to crank it up. Good morning to everybody on Facebook, and thank you for watching live today, listening to the program live. Appreciate that very much. Please like the program and share it and help me promote the word over on Facebook that this is a place where you can find your news and commentary from a biblical worldview perspective. Also, uh, if, you're, if you've downloaded the podcast, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Well, I tell you, there are a lot of P's in pro-Palestinian protesters. That's... I, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to have that much trouble getting through that when I was doing the introduction this morning, but I guess I I should have stopped and counted the P's and recognized that was going to be that was going to be a little bit difficult. Uh, all right, let's dive in. We got a lot to talk about today. It's a Friday. It's back patent day, which means that uh, come five o'clock today, you got the weekend in front of you. Going to be a pretty nice weekend, I think, for most of us, and a lot of people are beginning to turn their thoughts toward Thanksgiving. Uh, It's going to be some preparation at the Beam household this weekend for cooking our traditional Thanksgiving turkeys. I always uh, smoke one and fry one, and uh, I've got one of those cool infrared turkey fryers, so I don't have to go out and buy, uh, spend about 60 bucks, 70 bucks on peanut oil. I can just get enough peanut oil to go on the outside of the turkey and then put it into the uh, infrared fryer, and I'm not going to tell you about all the stuff I inject and put on the outside of the turkey, because that would... That would be a Beam family secret that would be out in, in public. Um, but And also the recipe for brining the turkey that I'm going to smoke. See, that that process takes about, oh, uh, 24 hours to get the turkey ready. Um, and then you've got to, you have, of course, you have to soak the chips, the wood chips that you're going to use because you don't want them to burn up too fast. You want the smoke. Uh, you want them to smoke and smolder and let that smoke and the flavor of the wood chips get up into the turkey. I'm making myself hungry, um, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on. But a, a lot of folks are gonna be doing stuff like that over the weekend, uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving. And next week, once again, just a programming note: we will have the live show and the podcast on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then we're gonna take Thursday and Friday off. And then the next week, I'm gonna have to take uh, a couple of mornings off, Thursday and Friday. I think of the next week because I will be in Nashville at a national ethics leaders meeting. And the problem with trying to do the show from Nashville is uh, it's an hour earlier, which means I'd, I would have to be sitting there uh, doing the show at, at, at like 6.30, and that's tough. Uh, so, uh, and I mean, you know, to get up and to get prepared and to be able to do it at that time. So likely, I, I haven't fully decided yet, but probably, probably uh, the end of the week after Thanksgiving, that Thursday and Friday, we'll take a break as well. But for sure, Thanksgiving Day and the day after, uh, we'll take a little pause. And, uh, of course, then we'll be right back. Truth and Politics and Culture is being brought to you today by our friends, 
The McCravey, Newland, Sturkey, Clarity Law Firm, McCravey, Newland, Sturkey, and Clarity, have a proven track record of settling and trying cases in South Carolina. In fact, they've been around for 25 years, and they have that amount of experience and knowledge that has helped thousands of people in South Carolina, just like you. If you're looking for experienced and successful personal injury lawyers in South Carolina who will fight for you, go to McCraveyLaw.com to find out how the McCravey, Newland, Sturkey, Clarity Law Firm will exceed your expectations. That's McCravey Law, M-C-C-R-A-V-Y Law.com. They know South Carolina law, and they know how to get results for you. You can call them today to get a free consultation. The number's easy. It's 833-245-6565. That's 833-245-6565. Or, as I said, go to McCraveyLaw.com. Uh, McCravey, Newland, Sturkey, Clarity Law Firm is ready to represent you. Okay, pro-Palestinian protesters shut down bridges in three major cities yesterday. The cities were where the protests got out of hand are Boston, San Francisco, and the U.S. and, Mo- and the United States and Montreal in Canada. They marched demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. In San Francisco, protesters blocked the Bay Bridge with their cars and threw their keys into the bay. So they had to call in a bunch of wreckers and tow trucks to clear the bridge, and that took a long time. Um, it, it snarled traffic in San Francisco for several hours. At least 50 people were arrested in San Francisco, and, uh, and, and, and of course, it just it created a tremendous mess. Look, that is not a peaceful protest. When you, when you block other people's access to simply go about their business, you have the right, of course, to protest, to hold up a sign, to march, to do all sorts of things to get your point across to the public. You do not have the right to take away the rights of people who may not be interested in your message. Even if they are interested in your message, they're probably more interested in getting home to their families after a work day or getting to their next appointment or getting wherever it is that they want to go. And this, so when, when people start blocking major bridges and thoroughfares, I mean, I, the police should move in and treat these protesters, uh, in my view, like they're violent protesters because they're taking an action that is taking away someone else's rights. Just like you have the right to protest, other people have the right not to hear your message. You don't, you don't have the right to force people by taking away their right to move around freely to listen to your message. And so I, I, I'm, I'm glad some of the protesters got arrested in San Francisco. That wasn't the case in Boston. In Boston, protesters blocked off the Boston University Bridge between the city and Cambridge. The bridge was blocked for about two hours, and no arrests were made. None. I mean, they, they deemed that to be a peaceful protest. It's okay to take away. We, we don't care if uh, people were inconvenienced or, and, and I'm talking major inconvenience when you're talking about few ways to get from point A to point B in one of these major urban areas. The protesters in Montreal carried park benches and picnic tables onto a bridge, and they blocked traffic for about an hour, and there were no arrests made in Montreal. Now, that doesn't surprise me. In Canada, um, they're not going to arrest anybody uh, unless they're um, a, a, a Christian who wants to have a church service during COVID, or unless they're Christians standing up for their rights that they believe that they're they're granted 
that, that they should have some degree or some measure of religious freedom. Unless you're those people, uh, you may get arrested. You may, in, in fact, you may remember when we had the, the truckers strike uh, a few years ago, you, you had um, truckers that were, I believe it was over COVID regulations, um, they were blocking roads and, and now, and, and they were arrested, they were charged and they had their trucks impounded, um, in Canada. But if you're protesting for Palestinians, if you're protesting against Israel, if your protests take on a pro Hamas, uh, flavor, at least in Montreal, you're not going to get arrested. Uh, you may get some kind of medal from the Montreal government because you're upholding the worldview and the policies of the left, of progressives. And as I talked about yesterday, protesters surrounded the Democrat National Headquarters in Washington. By the way, I don't, I don't think I identified the building yesterday as the Democrat National Headquarters. I just said it was a building where lawmakers had gathered, but it was the DNC building. They blocked exits with dumpsters, and they pepper-sprayed police officers. They had about six Capitol Police that were treated for injuries. Some had been struck in the face. Um, some were suffering from the effects of pepper spray. And when the mob tried to gri- grab a bike rack and use it as a weapon, uh, the police jumped in and dispensed the mob. Inside the headquarters, you had leading Democrats, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Um, you had the House um, whip, the Democratic whip. Catherine Clark was in the building caucus chairman, Keith Aguilar, and all these were evacuated, uh, evacuated uh, because they were, they were deemed to be in danger. I mean, these protesters were trying to break into the building. Now, if you read the New York Times and the Washington Post and other major news outlets, you're, you're not going to hear anything about this. And, and the question a lot of people have raised is, are these people's cell phones being tracked? Um, are the, is their movement being uh, looked at through... Uh, video monitors that may have been on the street or near the DNC headquarters, are they going to be tracked down? Are they going to be arrested? Are they going to be put in jail and held until they have a trial for an insurrection? Uh, don't hold your breath for any of those things to happen. But there, I mean, you, the violence of this, of this event, the number of protesters, there are about 200 protesters, uh, but they were trying to break into the building. Now, what, what were they going to do when they got in there? I mean, the, the DNC, I guess they could go in and trash the place, but there were high-ranking Democrat officials in the building, and they believed their lives were in danger. And where are all the stories about coming, about uh, Democrats hiding under their desk? And all, I mean, you know, this, this was a major protest, just like the uh, incursion where um, Rashida Tlaib took part in, in, a, in a protest at the Capitol where protesters tried to break into one of the Capitol buildings. Uh, so it, it, this, this is treated totally in, in a completely different manner when we're talking about people who are, stand, or who are if, if you've got people that are standing up for what they believe are their values that happen to be conservative, and then you've got people that are standing up for, what, for their values that, that essentially are anti-Western society and are pro-terrorist in their expressions. And they get, tra- they get treated differently by the police for the most part, uh, although the Capitol Police did engage these protesters outside the DNC headquarters, but they also get treated differently by the justice system and differently by the media for the most part. Uh, Brad Sherman, who's a Democrat congressman from California, 
said he was evacuated when, quote, pro-terrorist, anti-Israel protesters grew violent, pepper-spraying police officers and attempting to break into the building. Well, that pretty much sums it up. So um, this, this is the kind of thing that we're seeing. And again, I just want to po- point out the contrast between this and about 300,000 uh, marchers, people who went to Washington to support Israel. I mean, there were the, the police, the Capitol Police, they didn't report, as far as I know, any confrontations except confrontations with counter-protesters who showed up to heckle and to try to stop the, the peaceful march of people who were supporting Israel. Um, another thing that was just weird that happened this week in relation to all this is that TikTok became home to Osama bin Laden apologist when multiple influencers posted videos saying they'd read Osama bin Laden's letter to America and had become disillusioned because they found themselves empathizing with bin Laden. Now, the letter, uh, which is filled with anti-Western, anti-Semitic language, I mean, I'm, look, I'm not going to recommend that you go read the letter. This is the rantings of a murderer, a terrorist, who killed 3,000 Americans in New York City, Washington, D.C., and in a field in Pennsylvania. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it's just, it, 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 he's, he's responsible for that. And the United States spent a lot of money, a lot of resources and a lot of years trying to track this guy down and, and, and to eliminate him because of what he did. And because he was still, um, a mastermind behind attacks that were being planned around the world to kill innocent people. And this letter to America is filled with anti-Semitic ramblings. I mean, it's, but now some of it, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but some of it sounds like it came straight out of a, a university sociology class. It could have been the words of a professor at a left-leaning progressive or uh, totally progressive university. And if you want to know why we're seeing all these protests on college campuses, I mean, we went through critical theory and how critical theory fuels a lot of this. But what we're also seeing is the fruit of 60s radicals that went into uh, academia and and went to work there, and and they began to spread this anti-Western, that the West is bad and colonization philosophy to a whole generation of Americans. And then we began to allow radicals to come into the country to join the radicals that we were creating out of a liberal university system. And this is how we got into this mess. Um, over the past 24 hours, um, thousands of TikTok posts have been, uh, videos have been posted where people share how they just read Bin Laden's infamous letter to America in which he explained why he attacked the United States. Uh, and this is Yashir Ali posting to X, quote, many of them say that reading the letter has opened their eyes and they'll never see geopolitical matters the same way again. Many say it has made them reevaluate their perspective on uh, uh, about uh, what is often labeled as terrorism, that it can be a legitimate form uh, of resistance to a hostile power. A legitimate form of resistance. Here's one example. Now, I'm not going to play a whole bunch of this stuff because, to be honest with you, uh, I haven't listened to a whole lot of it. Uh, I don't have the stomach for it. Um, I, I, I mean, when people are actually praising or talking about what a epiphany they've had because they've read something that a terrorist madman wrote. Um, I, I, this, this is, it's ridiculous. But here's an example. 
I read Letter to America, which is Osama bin Laden's letter to America explaining why he attacked Americans. It's wild, and everyone should read it. However, be forewarned that this has left me very disillusioned, and I feel the same exact way I felt when I was deconstructing Christianity. Oh, I feel okay. a little bit just confused, like I have entered into another timeline. What is this? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what is what this is. Um, this is indoctrination that started um, when you went into a uh, high, high, uh, public education system, higher education, that is, as I said, being taught uh, by professors from the, the 60s who are now the radicals, uh, and many of them have retired, by the way. A lot of the professors that came up through the 60s and taught in American universities have retired, but what they've done is have ex extreme influence over the textbooks and the material that's presented to this generation of college students. And as they read this stuff and hear it regurgitated, it, it is as if these 60s radicals are still in the classroom because all of the material they're reading is echoing their viewpoints, and it's turning them into these type of, of anti-Western protesters who loathe themselves actually. Um, Robert McNeil, the man who shot Osama bin Laden, put out the following statement on X. The new TikTok fad uh, is the positive reaction from Gen X after reading Letter to America by Osama bin Laden. And then he put this, deceit is a mask the devil puts over the eyes of useful idiots. Now, that's, that's, uh, I, that, that's a quote. I think I've heard that quote before, actually. Um, I'm not sure, but wherever it came from, um, that's a good one. Deceit is a mask that the devil puts over the eyes of useful idiots, people who will believe propaganda, people who can are gull gullible and vulnerable that can be convinced that the West is responsible for all the problems of the world, and then those people become the leaders in our society, and we wonder why we've got such a, such a sick culture. I mean, it, Megyn Kelly... Uh, I thought she did a good job when she blamed the TikTok uh, the uh, the TikTok apologist. She blamed the parents of these folks. She said to be the parents of these losers, suddenly persuaded by the deranged musings of the man who murdered three thousand American innocents, you failed. She wrote, "You were likely boozing, marching for some left wing cause, or simply ignoring your kids." You failed to teach right from wrong, a proper moral code, a love of country, and perspective on America's role in the world. And because you failed, my kids and others are going to have to grow up battling these people, and I cleaned that up a little bit, she used a different term, for the future of the United States. She said, I have every confidence they can do it, but I resent and judge you for making it necessary as opposed to fostering a life in which they can focus solely on growth, joy, love, family, hard work, and creation. Creation, that is, in creating good things or adding something good and positive to the culture. Now, what's missing from this, of course, is simply the foundation that makes it possible for this generation to be able to, to accomplish these things like growth, joy, love, family, hard work. Those are biblical principles, and they have to be grounded in something that's greater than ourselves. And this is, this is where so many secularists, and, and I have no idea about Megyn Kelly's 
uh, religious affiliation, what her religious beliefs are. Uh, she may be a believer. I, I just I listen to her podcast occasionally. Um, I, I just, as you know, if you've listened to me on the radio or listened to this podcast very long or watched it on Facebook, I just don't, I have a low tolerance for potty mouth people. I mean, it, people who have to throw out the F word every now and then or use other profanities. I, I, I mean, and that's, that's the world of podcasting. I mean, I can tell you, you're not going to hear that here uh, because I don't think, I think that using vulgar language is the sign of someone whose vocabulary is a little bit short. Or if you feel like you have to heighten your audience awareness by throwing some expletives into the conversation, um, I just, I, I'm, I don't, I find that philosophy to be incorrect. Uh, but anyway, um, I occasionally listen to her podcast and she's got some good things to say. But whether if the only way that these things are going to be true, the joy, the family, the love, the community, the hard work, the, the creation of that which is good for the culture, the only way we're going to find those things is in Jesus Christ. I mean, this, is, this takes the change of a heart. This change, takes the change of a mind. We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to have a renewed spirit within us. The Bible talks about when, when we, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And these old things that these people have been taught and indoctrinated in, these ideas about Western society, the glorification of violence, when you walk around and say things like silence is violence, and then you ignore real violence, as in Hamas terrorists breaking into Israel and killing and murdering babies um, and, and uh, 1,400 civilians. I mean, th this is the kind of thing that this type of thinking can only be addressed by a heart change, a mind change, and those are not easy. I mean, I, 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 these commercials that so many of them today, you know, they have some kind of product, and they say, if you'll use this, it'll change your life. Well, I got news for you. Life change is hard. There's no product. There's no thing out there that's going to change your life. It is a supernatural thing that takes place from the inside out, and that's why we have to turn our hearts and our minds and our thoughts to biblical truth when we talk about these things, or basically we have we have no hope. Now, Megan Kelly goes on. She says, there's no point getting bogged down in all this. Trust me when I tell you that the majority of Americans, this generation and the next, will fight to defeat the pernicious lunacy that you've unleashed, and we will win. Um, I want to agree with her. She's got a very optimistic view of where Americans are today. I don't, I'm not sure I'm that optimistic. Now, I, I'm, because I think to be a realist, you have to look at the fact that it's not just college campuses where this stuff is taking place. I mean, there's too many people that care more about, um, you know, Taylor Swift or, or, and, and Kelsey, um, you know, the, the, the whole football romance that's going on there. there there's, there's, there's a lot more people that know about that and care about it than know or care about where the country is headed philosophically. I mean, that's the real problem. We're in financial trouble, and we're in philosophical trouble. Um, that is, we're, we're at a point where the philosophies that made America great, the, the ideas of hard work and vigilance and integrity and honor, 
and individual um, um, understanding of right and wrong, moral foundations, those things are disappearing. And those are the things that hold us together as a people and as a culture. And what I'm trying to do on this program, and I, I hope a lot of other people that watch this program and feel the same way I do, are doing the same thing. In whatever sphere of influence you have, have the aroma of Christ, have the influence of the Bible, have the influence of the presence of the Holy Spirit so that you can bring about real change and, and help get this country back on some kind of correct trajectory. Uh, there's another article that was written today I thought was good. Um, let's see if I can find it here right quick. It's always going to be the last one that I look for. The title of it is Work, uh, Wokesters for Osama Bin Laden, question mark. It's by Charles Cook, and he quotes, um, let's see, it, uh, somebody writing on TikTok named Jim who says this, wow, Bin Laden made a lot of good points, crowd, are Americans who will not take their own side in a war with people who are bent on killing Americans. And he quoted Robert Frost as saying, a liberal is a man too broad-minded to take his own side in a quarrel. And then, quote, there's something like self-loathing at work in our culture. Yes, there is. A mentality that refuses to accept the contentions that we are good and worth protecting and worth continuing. This is a good time for us to continue what started Tuesday, to declare that nothing justifies the deliberate murder of civilians, to insist that we and our allies are good and worthy of defense and preservation, and to call out evil and to make sure that it meets up with the consequences of his actions, good and hard. And that's correct. Now, I'm going to go through a little bit of what is in the letter from Osama bin Laden because I think that uh, Charles Cook makes a good point here that a lot of these phrases could have been spoken not by Osama bin Laden, but by sociologists teaching in major universities. Um, here's, here's one of the things bin Laden wrote. Your law is the law of the rich and the wealthy people who hold sway in their political parties and fund their election campaigns with their gifts. Now, if he hadn't followed that up with behind them stand the Jews who control your policies, media, and economy, this sounds like the sort of thing you'd hear openly on TikTok in pretty much every other context and also coming out of the mouths of the average ethnic studies professor in a major university. Uh, the same is true with this. Your forces occupy our countries. You spend your military bases through, spread your military bases throughout them and corrupt our lands and you besiege our sanctities. Well, if, if you take the next line out to protect the security of the Jews and to ensure the continuity of your privilege of, of your pillage of our treasures, then that's pretty much 2023 era progressivism. Um, and then you get into this part of the letter, which, there was an, I read an analysis yesterday of the letter I, I thought was interesting. In, in it, they talked about the fact that bin Laden says things that would appeal to the right in America. In other words, he knows his audience, and he's writing to bring people to the table by speaking about things that they would be concerned about. The little snippets in the letter that they would say, oh, yeah. And then he writes the same thing. He knows the thinking of progressives in the West. And so he writes on purpose to make sure that he gets their attention. 
that he's, he's kind of using the process here to draw them in. But here's something he said about, about LGBTQ+, okay, is what it would amount to. We call you to be people of manners, principles, honor, and purity to reject the immoral acts of fornication, homosexuality, intoxicants, gamblings, and trading with interest. Now, I just wonder, excuse me just for a minute. I've got to fight that tickle in my throat. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering when I read that, how many of these people on TikTok are cheering this on, that, that they would be advocates of Osama bin Laden as he talks about these immoral acts of fornic- <coughs> fornication, homosexuality, intoxicants, et cetera. So, that, you know, and then he turns around and says, you are a nation who rather than ruling by the Sharia of Allah in its constitution and laws, choose to invent your own laws at, and your, at your will and desire, you separate religion from your policies, contradicting the pure nature <clears throat> which affirms absolute authority to the Lord and your creator. And then he goes on to say, he pretty much demands that everybody become a Muslim. He says, complete submission to his laws and the discarding of all opinions, orders, theories, and religions which contradict the the religion that he sent down to his prophet Muhammad. Peace be upon him. So why isn't that a problem? I mean, if you're on TikTok and you're reading this and you've got some kind of resonance and you're having some kind of epiphany based on the fact that you don't realize that your very existence would be would be considered to be <clears throat> not worthy by Osama bin Laden. In other words, you, if if <clears throat> if he were to confront you, if you disagreed with any of the things that are in this letter, he would relegate you to the trash bin of history, and would do exactly what he did: fly planes into buildings, kill innocent people and drive a plane into the ground in Pennsylvania, fly, <coughs> excuse me, and fly, fly one into the Pentagon. So this is the kind of stuff that really, I mean, look, I expect protesters. Um, I expect people to go out and express their opinions about a lot of different things. I apologize, folks. I'm having trouble here this morning. Got to try to get keep this tickle down. Um, so, but the, the, the idea of embracing the philosophy of a terrorist mastermind who murdered thousands of Americans and who would kill the people if he had, if he was not at room temperature currently, if, if they, he would kill the people who were, who would say these things, um, you, you have, you have to understand under Sharia law, you have no free speech. There's no TikTok, there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram, there's no X, not under Sharia law, unless every word that is spoken is in line with somebody's idea of what's correct about the Quran. And I I just don't think they, I, I, I don't know if they don't think about it, if they don't get it, or if they just think it's somehow trendy and cool to line up with uh, the thinking of a mass murderer. Uh, look, 
you, you know, TikTok says that this is not a big deal, by the way. Uh, they did put out a statement saying that all of these videos uh, violate their um, standard of not promoting terrorism. And so they say they're going to be removed. Now, I don't know if they've been removed yet because I don't, I don't do TikTok. I, TikTok is one of the tools of the, of the Chinese communist government. I believe that. I, I'm, I, I just think I, there's no way I'm going to get over there in that sewer um, because of all the things that are that are there. Now, some people say, well, if you're going to be an influencer, you've got to have a, vo- have a voice over there because that's where everybody's going. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to influence the way that I'm influencing, either by writing or by doing this show on Facebook and by doing the podcast. I mean, I, I'm not going to climb into TikTok where this kind of stuff is going on um, and and there, you know, TikTok says, well, this was minor. The the stories that said that it was trending is was was are, are not true. Well, the videos have been have there were thousands of them, and as of this morning, they had been viewed over ten million times. Now I get it that TikTok is huge, and maybe just maybe um, that that's maybe ten million. Is, is not a significant number to them, but that's a lot of people. I mean, that's that's a lot of influence, especially when you're talking about this kind of thinking. David Strom wrote about some of this over at Hot Air. He said, obviously, the youth of our nation need to spend some quality time looking into their souls and realizing that there's a vast gap where their moral compass should be. I, that's a great statement. In, in introspection, asking yourself, how can I agree? I mean, I don't even know if, if, if these influencers are stopping to think what they're doing, which is promoting the ideas of a mass murderer. I mean, I wonder if they would, you know, Charles Manson had a lot to say um, about why he killed, why he murdered people, why he killed the LaBiancas, why he killed Sharon Tate, why he, why he wrote in their own blood on the wall. I mean, would they? Would they? Would any of these folks want to go and read some of Charles Manson's writings and talk about? Wow, I, I've just discovered Charles Manson. Um, he was he was a guy that was just misunderstood, and there's just my whole life is going to be changed because. I mean, it it makes no sense. I mean, it Charles Manson was a murderer. Um, Osama bin Laden is a murderer, at times several thousand, compared to Charles Manson. And their philosophies, I mean, the the rhetoric that they spew, a lot of it comes, again, from the same foundation, from this idea of critical theory, theory the oppressors and the oppressed. Okay, um, more from David Strom here. More importantly, and I say this because the moral compass of teenagers is formed by their peers, their educators... The liberals who run our schools and universities need to reconsider whether their alliance with the radical left is worth the electoral benefits they've amassed from it. Now, this is great thinking. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I've read some of David Strom's work. I mean, a lot of times he's right on point, and sometimes I, I, for me, I have some major disagreements. But here, uh, he's exactly right. There isn't the part of what's pushing all this is the alliance between the, the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, and, and believe me, liberal Democrats, there are liberal Democrats. Now, they're in the minority. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Uh, they're in the minority, but they're trying to push back against this in their own party because they realize that it's going to eventually lead to their destruction. Um, it, it's You can't foster an idea of self-loathing and hatred, self-hatred, as a country and survive. Um, Strom writes, it's not exactly a secret that the left runs our cultural and educational institutions, and that as a practical matter, this meant that Democrats benefited from the energy they were able to generate in the young and impressionable, and so much of the social justice message has a plausibly empathetic feel. Who doesn't want to to be the legacy of getting rid rid of slavery or inequality to be reduced. It sounds so nice if you don't actually listen too hard. And then he says this, and I think it's a great statement, justice has a nice ring to it until you realize it means killing people by the bushel. Until you realize that we're, we're talking about true social justice as defined by critical theory, not biblical justice as defined by God. And there's a vast chasm between those two things. Who could have believed that the left actually meant what they said by any means necessary? Strom says, I believed them. Most conservatives believed them. Liberals, though, thought it was charming or inspiring. But it didn't take a genius to see that. And and I suspect most Democrats who empowered these people worried a bit that the left was getting a bit too radical. But really, what harm could they do? I mean, you think about Nancy Pelosi and her somewhat standing up to the squad. And yet, in the end, she decided, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And this is some of the fruit that we're seeing with this. As with COVID school closures, kids are not as resilient as we thought that they would be. Justice sounds nice. Well, the kids are not all right and not so resilient, and we're in a, we've got a huge mental health crisis in, the, in this nation. If you remember... I talked about this in detail. We talked about the number of teenagers, the number of young people that are showing up at hospitals with mental health issues because there's not enough mental health services to try to help all of them. Um, and progressives have to admit something. They've, they've got to admit that they've been instrumental in creating all this. They created the propaganda factories in our educational system, the propaganda uh, system in, our, in a lot of the media and in Hollywood, and of course, then then they turned around and they bullied big tech into pushing le- a left wing agenda. Now, and and all of this is absolutely correct. Laura Hollis over at Town Hall wrote about this yesterday. She said, although many of the ideological movers and shakers from the Tom Hayden, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin generation, and those of you who are my age and a little bit younger and a little bit older will remember those names. They've retired from um, academia. Their legacy lives on in the curricula of colleges and universities. I talked about this a little bit earlier. The fact that their philosophies are being picked up in textbooks that they helped select and some, in some cases helped write. But they're also passing it on in the hiring, research, publication, and tenure decisions and the administration policies all which tend to ensure that the next generation of incoming and graduating students either share their viewpoint on the way on the way in or have been converted by the time that they're on their way out. And I, I think we need to we need to take a hard look at this. I mean I uh, Ben Shapiro wrote yesterday that the barbarians 
are not at the gates. They are inside, and we let them in. And I know Shapiro has been um, – there's a big fight going on right now um, over, over at Daily Wire because there are some who think that Shapiro has become a sort of unhinged about all of this. And granted, a lot of his programs have focused directly on the, the terror and the horror of what Hamas did. Um, and I listened to most of those programs. Uh, and, and, but look, Shapiro is Jewish. I mean, he's an Orthodox Jew, which means he takes his re- religion very seriously. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a devout Christian. I take my religion very seriously. I mean, if these have been, there were 30, by the way, Americans who died when Hamas attacked and, and broke, broke into Israel. And as far as we know, we think there are nine American hostages, including an infant. Um, and so we, we can try to separate ourselves from this, but the truth is that we're uh, Americans are involved, have been involved, and are involved. But Shapiro's point in writing that is that we're embracing, we're allowing people in either illegally uh, over the southern border or the northern border, or we're allowing them in legally through legal immigration without asking ourselves, do they are they coming here to be part of what made America great, or are they coming here to undermine all those things? Um, and a lot of people are coming here with the intent of destroying what, who we become, what we become as a country. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not anti. Immigration. I don't want to. I'm not an isolationist. I believe that we need a, a robust immigration system, but we don't have any immigration system. We just have open borders, and until we fix that problem, this is going to continue to foster, to to fester, and to to basically overtake our culture as these folks' views get expressed all over social media and through the legacy media and the other sources that we've talked about this morning already. All right, um, let's move on. I wanted to get some of the top stories today just to keep you updated. Uh, let's see if I can, yeah, this was one I certainly wanted to get to. A New York judge has lifted the Trump gag order in the civil fraud trial over free speech concerns. This is according to Brandon Gillespie and uh Brooke Singman over at Fox News, a New York judge has lifted the gag order imposed on former President Trump in his civil fraud trial stemming from State Attorney General Letitia James' lawsuit against him and the Trump Organization. Citing concerns over free speech, appeals court judge David Friedman issued a stay on the order on Thursday, which was put in place by Judge Arthur Ingeron in October. Uh, Ingeron, who is overseeing Trump's trial, imposed the partial gag order to block all parties from making derogatory statements about his court staff. He fined Trump $5,000 for violating the order on social media on October 20th and then again on October 25th for $10,000 before threatening Trump with imprisonment. At Thursday's emergency hearing, Friedman questioned Ingeron's authority to limit Trump's speech outside the courtroom and argued gag orders were used more in criminal trials, which this is true, uh, where there's a fear of swaying a jury. I mean, most of the time, 
The purpose of a gag order, order is to make sure that the jury pool is not poisoned so that you can't find an impartial jury when the, by the time you get to trial. But that's not on the table here because this is a this this entire fraud lawsuit is being heard by Engeron. He's the judge that's going to make all the decisions in this. The ruling also applies to Trump's lawyers who say they have no plans to inhibit the former president's First Amendment rights. Well, <laughs> good luck to them if they thought they were going to inhibit his rights um, because I, I, I agree with those who say one of the hardest things to be is one of Trump's attorneys because it, you, you do want your client to try to have a lower profile as you go into the courtroom. Um, you don't want, I mean, I don't think these attorneys, if you put them in a room and got them in a quiet moment, that any of them are going to say that it's a good thing that Trump is attacking the people that are going to make decisions here. But, of course, look, this is all a foregone conclusion. I mean, Engeron, the, the idea that he hasn't already decided that Trump's going to get the maximum in all of this um, is a fallacy. And, it, of course, the, the hope then is going to be that there'll be, there will be an appeal and that a judge will look at this from in a different light and see that most of this, in fact, just about the whole thing has been politically motivated. Um, you know, did did Trump uh, put out some of the estimates in his business dealings that were inflated? He probably did, but so did everybody. I mean, again, I I I, I know the judge in this case has said we, that we who say that don't know what we're talking about because of the amount of inflation that Trump injected. But he also put in every one of his documents that the, these estimates should be checked and rechecked. The banks took the estimates. The banks made money. The investors made money. No one was defrauded. No one was hurt. You know, if you're going to defraud someone, it looks like there should be some standard that the person that you defrauded was hurt by your actions. And according to everything I've read about this, that's not the case with former President Trump. All right, um, another story today. This, you know, I, I, I again, sometimes I'm speechless, and it's not because I've got a terrible tickle in my throat, okay? I'm speechless because I can't believe the things that I'm reading, how short-sighted they are. And, it, 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 and, and this is from this summit with President Xi, U.S. energy experts are warning of the economic and national security implications of President Biden's pact with China this week to move towards shutting down fossil fuel production in favor of green energy. Uh, the State Department announced this week it had struck a deal with its Chinese counterparts pledging to accelerate the substitution for coal, oil, and gas generation with green energy sources like wind and solar power. The, na uh, the nations, which account for nearly half of global greenhouse gas emissions, that would be the United States and China, also agreed to deepen policy exchanges on reducing carbon emissions in various sectors like power, industry, buildings, and transportation across their economies. Look, we've got a power grid in this country that's in trouble. I mean, it is the, the power grid is aging, it is stressed, and we already have areas where there are rolling blackouts, particularly in California, but also Texas came very close to having rolling blackouts this summer, and it, it, they barely averted that. So we've got a, 
our energy needs as they continue to grow are not going to be met by windmills and solar panels. That's just not, and, and besides, all these people that are going to go out and buy electric cars, which right now the electric car market is hurting, so there's all, all these car makers are, are putting out deals trying to incentivize people to buy electric cars. But, but the truth is you, you plug these things in, right? They've got to be charged, and that puts a, a strain on the, the electric grid, the power grid in this country. And now we're going to start moving toward getting rid of fossil fuel. Now, we're not talking about coal, just coal. We're talking about oil production. And, of course, the Biden administration has been waging war on oil production since it came to be. Uh, the agreement in which the nations further pledged to sufficiently accelerate renewable energy development in their respective economies through 2030 was criticized over its potential impact on U.S. consumers. <laughs> you think? What kind of impact do you think this could have if our power grid is stressed to the max, if gas prices go through the roof, if everybody can't afford to drive an electric car, and you can't plug it in anyway because, again, it will it'll take down the power grid. Experts noted that China has rarely followed through on international accords and stands to financially benefit from such an agreement since it controls much of the world's green energy supply chain. Yeah, this is a great deal for China. It's a terrible deal for the United States, but that seems, it seems like that that doesn't matter because, again, if we can tie all this together for a second, we go back and we realize that this anti-Western, anti-American mindset is being expressed in so many places, even in the White House, and this is just one way where deals are being made that will undermine America's national security and and. and cost consumers in America a ton of money, and, and what, who's going to benefit? The country we're making the deal with. They're not going to abide by any of this. Does anybody think China is going to abide by this? I can just imagine Xi getting back on a plane to go back to China, and he's probably laughing all the way across the, the, the ocean. I mean, that, wh why would he not? Because this is, you know, this is they manufacture the green energy components, so they're going to make a ton of money if the United States follows through with this. They're going to make a ton of money and take our money, and we're going to take all this green energy stuff, and we're going to weaken our position militarily and economically in the rest of the world. I mean, that's essentially where all this is going to come to, what all this is going to come to. It makes absolutely no sense economically or on a national security front. And yet the Biden administration just basically went in and made this agreement. I, Congress needs to step in. I mean, that somebody has got to rein in this administration before they give away the entire country. I, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm stunned by the speed at which this is happening. I mean, you expect some of this stuff to go on with um, a progressive administration, but I mean, it's it's happening quickly, and I I don't the only the only thing that I know is that we we've either got to vote him out of office, which we have to do, or we need to expect that people in Congress are going to rise up when they listen to these energy experts and realize that our national security is at stake, and do something to rein them in. Um, now. This, is, this report was out yesterday. This is coming from Daily Wire. Biden is not expected to be charged in special counsel probe. 
Is anybody shocked here that there's um, uh, some kind of double standard going on? Now, uh, you know, I get it. Um, all, all the people that are, are, are Biden apologists and defenders, they claim that, uh, you know, Biden was, uh, was he acted completely differently uh, toward the retrieval of these documents, but that doesn't excuse the fact that he had them in his possession. Besides, we've reported on this program that some of these stories about how quickly he responded are just not true. I mean, I, yeah, yes, he responded when the FBI basically stepped in or the archive stepped in and said, we know these documents are here. But what? so now it looks like there's going to be absolutely no consequences. President Joe Biden is reportedly, this is according to Daily Wire by Ryan Saavedra, President Joe Biden is reportedly not expected to be charged in connection to special counsel Robert Hur's criminal investigation into his handling of classified material. CNN reported that sources familiar with the matter informed the network that Hur's team is preparing a final report about the results of the investigation, which started earlier this year after classified materials were found in an office Biden used at Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., and other documents were later found in his home. The report is expected to be now. I want you to put your put yourself in a time machine, and step back to 2016 when all of this same information was coming about out about Hillary Clinton and the server that she had in her home. The report is expected to be critical of Biden and his staff for the way they handle sensitive materials, and it's expected to go into significant detail about what the special counsel's office found in its investigation but there's not going to be any recommendation for legal action. It's the same thing that they did with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, we they slapped her on the wrist. Ah, you shouldn't have done that, Hillary, but no consequences, by the way. Uh, we, we think it was gross mismanagement. We think it was your judgment was terrible, um, but that, that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't, it's not going to rise to the, to the level of criminality uh, because you're a prominent left wing, you're a prominent progressive. Just the same thing is, I mean, this is this is almost the same wording that was used when we we talked about Hillary Clinton and how it you know how bad all of the the fact that she had this server was, but that it didn't rise to the level of doing anything that was criminal. Uh, you have you have to be a conservative. You have to be somebody who is not on the inside of Washington politics, if you're going to be held accountable for anything. Because if you're if you're President Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton, uh, you're going to get different treatment. And I think people, that, that's the kind of thing that really have people in this country upset. And I, look, I don't want to add to that anger. It's not going to do us any good to just be mad about it. We need to be reasoned. We need to be reasonable. We need to know what's happening we need to see these as these cases compound that they're falling from the same poisonous tree, and then we have to go try to figure out a way to get the tree taken care of. And you do that through the ballot box in this country. You elect people who are not going to pay, play favorites, who are not going to weaponize the Justice Department, who are who are not going to use the IRS to investigate people they disagree with. I mean, we we have to regain our confidence in our institutions um, if, if we're going to, th- I think, if we're going to survive as a, as a country, as a culture. I mean, we just gone, we've gone so far down this road where 
it, it, we're, we're, I, I, we're really and truly in trouble. Uh, all right. Uh, I need to remind you, Truth and uh, Politics and Culture is brought to you today by the McCravey Newland Sturkey Clarity Law Firm. They've been around for 25 years. They've got what that means is 25 years of knowledge, experience, and the fact that they've already helped thousands of people in South Carolina just like you. In other words, they've got an excellent track record that you can count on. So if you're looking for experienced and successful personal injury lawyers in South Carolina who are committed to fight for you, you can go to McCraveyLaw.com to find out how the McCravey Newland Sturkey Clarity Law Firm will meet and exceed your expectations every time. They know South Carolina law. That's important because we're in South Carolina. And if you've got a problem in South Carolina, it's going to come under South Carolina law. So you need to make sure that the lawyers that you hire are people who know how to operate in the state and know what the law says. They also know how to get results for you. That's very important. So we're not calling them today. Just, just give them a call. Uh, 833-245-6565. The number again is 833-245-6565. That's the McCravey Newlands Turkey Clarity Law Firm. They're ready today to represent you. All right, that's all the time we're going to take today. Um, I don't have time to get into this story. Let me preview it for you uh, because I'm going to talk about it more on Monday. This is a piece today by Desmond Lachman, uh, Latchman. Excuse me. Uh, public finances are burning. This is on National Review, and it's a detailed um, column that talks about our credit rating being downgraded, what the bond market is doing, the fact that uh, that Washington is pretty much ignoring the financial hole, hole that we've dug ourselves. We're finding it harder and harder to find people that are willing to take on the, the debt of the United States government because of the downgrading, because of um, some of the financial red light indicators that are going on in our own economy. Um, and so we, we have got to begin to demand financial accountability and, uh, and, and trans, uh, transparency from our lawmakers. I mean, this, this continuing resolution, okay, I'm willing to give Speaker Mike Johnson the benefit of the doubt here. And, and say that his motivation, which is what he said, is this: we needed to avert a government shutdown, and in order to do that, that that's why um, he was willing to pass a clean CR with no spending cuts. But now there have got to be appropriations bills that begin to address the fact that we're out of control in our spending. And, and Congress needs to stop, quite frankly, they need to stop the bitter infighting and focus on getting an appropriations bill done. They tried to get a couple of them done uh, before they broke for the uh, Thanksgiving break, and they weren't able to do it because about 19 uh, Republicans and some uh, moderate Democrats pushed back, and basically they were punishing Representative Johnson for working you know, beyond the Republican majority, at least the Republicans in that group were, in order to... Uh, to get a clean CR over to the Senate to the Senate to keep the government from shutting down. And so that's the kind of, in my mind, that's the kind of thinking that we're, we're not going to get out of this debt, this situation we're in, if we're, we're uh, quid pro quo, we have this mindset of quid pro quo that you do something I don't like, then I'm going to shut down even reasonable legislation 
that maybe we'd begin to address the problem because this cannot, we cannot just have an endless string of CRs, continuing resolutions. We have to have appropriations bills that work toward getting rid of the debt. And if we're not willing to do that, I mean, we're never going to get the problem solved. All right, listen, thanks for joining me today. If you join me on the podcast, thank you very much. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me a five-star review. Uh, That'll help other people to find the program. They might like it too. And on Facebook, please like the program and share it and talk to your friends about it um, if you enjoy the information that you're getting here and the way that it's presented. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will see you on Monday at 730.